So we're into part three of our series, When in Rome. Had we been here last week, you would have got this message. So yes, it's yesterday's message, but it's today, and this is you need to hear this today. So we started with the thought of uh, building this, this uh, series around the saying, when in Rome, and, and most people can finish that, when in Rome, do as the Romans do, right? So it's like, it's a very common saying, and it's this idea of blending in with the culture, um, adopting practices and customs uh, in the name of fitting in. Now, the New Testament book of Romans that we find in the Bible is written to the believers in Rome. It was written by Paul in the first century, and, and Rome in the first, first century was a, was a city full of every kind of excess and debauchery and, yeah, that you can imagine and some things you probably shouldn't. So it was like, it was very self-focused, self-indulgent, sin was rampant. So when in Rome, do as the Romans do, is probably not the best, okay? It's like, so track with me there. When in Rome, it's kind of an excuse to, to indulge and to be um, excessive. So that's not what we want. We don't want, we don't want to do as the Romans do when we're in Rome. We want to do as Paul would do. So Paul's letter to the Romans is really in the context and in the setting of this, this city of so many things. It was modern, it was amazing, it was like, yes, it was like almost the Vegas of, of, you know what I mean? It was everything. But when in there, Paul's speaking to them, he says, let me give you some insight. Let me help you. And so when a culture does not reflect God's best for humanity, do as Paul would advise. So when in Halifax, do as Paul would do. When in your city, when wherever you are, do as Paul would do. So we looked at some different things of when in Rome that I brought out. And, and understand, I, I pray and hope that you're reading Romans during the week like this. If you can fit that into your regular schedule somehow that you're reading Romans, there's so much that I can't touch on. But some things that I, I did bring out, and I'm going to make a list of when in Rome, okay? So here we go. Number one, when in Rome, you are dearly loved and called. We did that in the first week. When in Rome, remember the power of encouragement in community. Even like a child dedication, it's like the power of that and praying and the words of encouragement there. The power of encouragement community. When in Rome, remember the gospel is the ultimate solution. That was Paul's mandate. He says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ for it's the power of God unto salvation. He was telling them, he says, this stuff sounds crazy, but it's not. This is the power of God. So when in Rome, the gospel is the ultimate solution. When in Rome, it's easy to judge others. <laughs> We saw this in the church letter to the Romans. There's the Jewish believers, there's the Christian believers, there's the non-believers. And you can look around and it's very easy to see somebody that might be a little worse off than you are in some ways. And it's easy to judge others. But just remember, when in Rome, everyone needs a savior. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us. Levels the playing field. If you're here this morning, yes, even including your pastor, I know it's hard to believe, but even I have fallen short of the glory of God at some point. It happens. So as I said, I invite you to be reading the book of Romans as we continue on here. I want us to consider this morning that, that knowing God is a transforming process. So I want us to think of this as becoming a Christian is, is almost like comparable to having a child. Having a child is just the beginning of a long process of raising a child. You know what I'm saying? Like the, the birth of a child is a, is, a, is, a, is a joyous, but there's a lot that goes into it. And, the, and a woman would be the first to say it's a very 
painful but, but rewarding experience where a child comes into the world. But, but we recognize as parents, and even as, even as children, everybody's either a parent or a child, right? That there's a process there. It just begins. That's just the beginning. That's when things get going. And Jesus, speaking to the religious leaders of the day, called salvation being born again. So it's almost like becoming a child all over again. And I would argue that getting saved is just the beginning. From there, it's, it's a journey. It's a journey of growth, development, and, and different stages, just as a child develops through different stages. It's a, it's, a, it's a journey of work and investment and wins and losses and joys and tears and jubilation and frustration, just like parenting can be all of those things. Becoming a Christian is the absolute best decision you will ever make, but it is not easy. It can be said that Christianity is an absolutely free gift that will cost you absolutely everything and still be worth it. It's an absolutely free gift by the grace of God. I, I over once heard, uh, I once overheard, I over once heard. You know that thing that I do, chorkles? Anyway, it's when I start, I'm reading about four words at a time, and sometimes, anyway, you don't need to know. <laughs> Random. I once overheard a man speaking to a couple of, of young ladies that had come forward during a service, and they'd gotten saved. And uh, I wasn't a pastor at the time, but I, I was there, and, and, and uh, I'd been investing in, in uh, some of these young people. And anyway, these, these two young ladies came forward, and they got saved, and, and he was there, and he was gung-ho, and he was gusto, and he was, you know, there was the tears and excitement, and, and he, he came up, and he said, this is great. It's the best decision you've ever made. It's like, you know, I'm just so glad that you got saved today. And then he said, because you'll never have another bad day. As I said, I wasn't a pastor at, a time, at the time. I all but punched him in that moment, which probably wasn't the Christian thing to do. So, but my wife was there, thankfully. So she was right there beside me. And uh, I think she would have decked him too. But anyway, she was a lot more diplomatic than I was. So she brought some correction to it immediately. Because that's setting someone up for, for huge disappointment. Like to tell them, that's like, you, you've, you've become a Christian. You'll never have a bad day again in your life. Like, that's not even biblical. So what she brought to it was like, no, this is a great decision and you will have good days and you will have bad days, but God is faithful and he will never leave you through that. So you've begun a journey. And so she brought that correction to them. God is with them. Getting saved changes everything. Some things instantly, other things by process. There's a now, in the now, in the moment aspect of your salvation, and then there's a not yet aspect to it. There's, a, there's a, some, some things that are like, boom, it's, you have, it's there, and there's some things that take some time for them to develop. God does not promise a life without challenges when we follow him. We're flawed people living in a broken world. There is a spiritual battle. God is victorious. But there is a lot of applying his victory to our frailty before we see Jesus. I want to say that again. God is victorious. But there is a lot of applying his victory to our frailty before we see Jesus. So as we continue in this series, When in Rome. 
I want us to focus on living in Christ or living for Christ. When in Rome, live for Christ. When facing challenges, live for Christ. Live in Christ. So we're going to start in Romans 5.1. Yeah, that was just the intro. Brace yourselves. No, it's good. I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. Just the way it's worded seems to kind of jump out. Um, Chapter 5, Romans 5, starting at verse 1. Ready? Here we go. Therefore, since we've been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Christ Jesus our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently, confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing in God's glory. Pause there, like we're already seeing. Here we see this now and not yet. We now stand in something. We now stand in a privilege, and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. It's great. But listen, listen to this next verse. We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us to develop endurance, and endurance develops strength and character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. So you can see the developmental process here, right? You can see that there's a, there's a moving, there's a maturing, there's a developing. And, and sometimes problems and trials and even failures can develop our endurance. Those things can become our friends if we recognize the power in them as it builds character and strength in us. I am, I was going to say I've never been to the gym. It's not quite true. Does walking by count? <laughs> I've never been to the gym, but I've got some friends and, and uh, one friend in particular that is, he is ripped. He, he knows how to work out. Now, now part of developing strength is actually resistance training. And it's like, in through that, until those muscles are tested, they're not going to grow and develop. There's, there's a growth that happens. And, there's, there, and it's like anybody that has worked out hard and, and, and the, you know, the, the acids build up in your muscles and because of not enough oxygen. And, and, and it's like it burns. It's like there's a burn. But without, without that, the strength is not developed. Our lives can be that in the same way. We, we develop over time and we develop strength. If you're here this morning and you find yourself frustrated with your spiritual development, maybe you're a new believer, maybe, you know, maybe you've been plateaued or something, you're just frustrated with where you're at, I want to encourage you, you are a work in progress. There's a process happening, there's a developing, there's a refining, refining there's a maturing that's happening. Be honest with your frailty, but don't give up. Admit your brokenness, but don't use it as an excuse to stay somewhere. Understand that it's, it's part of the journey. And listen to how Jesus describes this, or Paul describes this. Paul describes this, and he says this in verse 6. When we were utterly helpless, helpless, completely, When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time, died for us sinners. 
Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. All right? None of us fit into that category. It's okay. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we've been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, we will certainly, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. I don't know about you, but friends, wow. A friend is an incredible gift. And to think to be, that we can be friends with God, and it, it's, it's bilateral, it's not equal, but it's like we can be friends with God. Because of Christ, we are friends of God. That's how we stand before God. That's how you stand before God. That's how we all stand before God. That is who we are as believers. And it's by faith through Christ. Faith in him. Boom. Born again. Friend of God. We are then free to pursue the Christian life. When in Rome. When in Rome. Live as Christ. When in Rome. Follow Christ. When in Rome. Live for Christ. So what is our response? How do we do that? How do we live as a friend of God? Like, okay, we've become friends of God. What do we do next? I want us to turn to Romans 6. Starting at verse 12. Romans 6.12. All right, so we, there's this now and not yet aspect, right? God, through Christ, makes us friends with God. And it's like, okay, well, cool. I'm a friend of God. Well, yes, but it goes from, on from there. Romans 6. We're talking about live for Christ. Verse 12 says, do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. For you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master. For you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. The freedom of God's grace. You live under a different master. We live under the freedom of God. The power is given to overcome. That's good news for sure. But you and I both know that's not the whole story. If you've served God for more than a day, we both know that that's not the whole story. Let's keep going in verse 15. Well then... Since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean that we can go on sinning? Of course not! Exclamation mark. That's Paul yelling. It's all caps. <laughs> now this next verse, this one hit me. I hope it hits you. Don't you realize that you become a slave of whatever you choose to obey? 
don't you know that you become a slave to whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Thank God. Again, explanation mark, all caps. Thank God. Once you were slaves to sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey the teaching he has given you. Now you are free from your slavery to sin and you've become slaves to righteous living. There's a transaction that takes place. There's a freedom that comes. Chains will break, right? Chains will break. God's grace has broken the power of sin, but it has not obliterated our sinful nature. The power of sin is broken, but it has not obliterated our desires. We choose our master. You are a slave to whatever you choose to obey. You are bound to whatever you choose, whatever you serve. You're like, wait, 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 time out. Just a second here. No, wait, I am, you may, I am my own boss. I make my own decisions. I'm nobody's slave. I am free to do whatever I want. I want you to think about that for a second. All right, that's a, that's a statement we've all probably heard it at some point. Sometimes from teenagers. Sometimes, it doesn't matter, anybody. I want you to think about that. Have you ever met someone that lived first and foremost for themselves that was actually free? Neither have I. We're all a slave to something. We're all, we're all bound to something and we get to choose what that is. You see, the real battle with sin begins when we become a Christian. And some of you may think, what? The real battle with sin begins when we become a Christian. When we go from, from living for, from selfishness to living in Christ-likeness. I mean, when you think about it, it's not really a battle for the person that establishes their own morality, sets their own standards, and is their own authority. When yourself calls the shots, yourself always wins. Right? It's like playing chess against yourself. You just keep spinning the board. Right? But you win, but you also always lose. There, there's a battle, and the battle is real, and we all face it. And I would argue that as we walk with God, and as we, we grow and as we develop and as we mature as believers, notice they didn't just say get older. We can get older without maturing and developing. But as we, as we mature and as we yield to the Spirit, we'll find ourselves in many ways winning more battles than we're losing. Spending less time in the trenches. Like finding, finding our rhythm and our real sense of, of God in the midst of that. It's not that the battle is over, but there's a sense of of maturity and, and, and more wins than losses. It's like a child learning to walk. When you think of a little, a child going from the crawling stages to they pull themselves up on the coffee table and it's like, as they begin, there's, there's more spills. And what do we do in those moments? We say, great job, get up, keep going, do it again. What do we do to ourselves when we fall? We say, you idiot. What do we sometimes say to each other? How could, you do, how could you be so stupid? I believe God says, okay, that's ugly. Let's get up. Let's move on. Let's keep moving. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's keep pressing in. We, we fall sometimes more in the beginning, but as we grow, we learn more, and we grow more, and we develop strength. 
but it's a process. Paul goes into this great tirade in chapter seven, and I'm gonna get into it. I love this. Paul, you could scratch Paulo. You could put my name in there. Maybe, maybe many of you could do it as well. Romans chapter seven, verse 18. I don't want us to make excuses for our behavior, but I want, I want you to hear the, 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 just the frustration, not the frustration, but maybe the frustration that Paul is expressing here. All right, Paul writing this to the church in Rome. Chapter seven, verse 18. And I know that nothing good lives in me, and he clarifies, well, well, well just wait, wait a minute. Nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. All right, in my sinful nature. I want to do what's right, but I can't. I want to do what's good, but I don't. I want to do, I don't want to do what's wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing wrong. It's the sin that lives in me that does it. I've discovered this principle in life. That when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. Thanks, Paul. I love God's law with all my heart, but there's another power within me that is at war with my mind. This is Paul. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Get the, get the distinction. The power of the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. All caps. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Can you hear the frustration? Can you relate? Oh my goodness. Like, especially, you know, you're trying to overcome something and you've worked on it and you've, you know, you, you've confided in someone and you've shared it. And it's like, you know, you're pushing in and you get about two days of success and then something comes against you and you're like, who will rescue me from the, myself, right? Oh, what a miserable person I am. I mean, the battle is real. So what do we do? Are we doomed? Do we just keep falling? Is it that all there is? Is there hope? Okay, I'm going to read the last verse that I just read. And I'm going to read the next verse. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will set me free from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is Jesus Christ our Lord. Thank you, Jesus. He asks the question, and then he answers it. He said, what can, what can fix this? What can, how does this change? How do I break the cycle? Thank God. The answer is Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I'm a slave to sin. Romans 8.1. Now, there is Therefore, no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Somebody needs to hear that. There is therefore no condemnation from God for those who are in Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin and death. The spirit within you, the power of God within you, sinful nature there. We're trying to push that down. But the power of God within you, it's, it goes on in verse 5. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about those things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. 
Okay, you, you catching this? It's like, so when we focus on our sinful desires and our sinful nature, and, we're, and that rules our minds and, and focuses our thoughts, we're, we're, it leads to death because we're, we're ruled by that. But as we allow the Spirit of God and the power of God and the Word of God and the counsel of God to begin to transform our minds, it leads to life and peace. And get this in verse 11. This one freaks me out a little bit, and I'm still trying to wrestle this one to the ground. All right? Just so you know. Verse 11. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead in the tomb, three days, no breathing, dead man, in tomb. The same Spirit that raised him from the dead, the power of God to raise Jesus from the dead lives in me. Lives in you. Like, it blows my mind because it's like, okay, obviously there's a little bit of a disconnect in me somewhere. Because I'm not about ready to walk on water. Um, I haven't multiplied bread and fish lately. Like, uh, the power of God within Jesus to raise him from the dead. Like, but it's there. It's like, how do we grasp that? How do you harness that? It's like, it's like Steve Williams' Hellcat. It's like you, you've got 700 plus horsepower under the hood. How do you get it on the road? You got to have tires this wide? Anyway, sorry, I digress. Mm, I can smell the octane. Anyway, the idea of like, we've got this power within us. You have the spirit of God living in you. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living with you. As, as the team works its way back, you guys can come on back. I want you to think about this. The spirit of God within you. Now, this would probably sound like the most paradoxical, paradoxical statement that I'll make today. We're in a battle, a spiritual battle within us. We've got our sinful nature that pulls one way and the spirit of God that pulls another. And it's not like a yin-yang kind of a situation where they're equal and opposite. But it, it, there is a battle. There's a real influence that goes on there. And we fight that. And... Our tendency, or at least my tendency, is when I'm up against something, is that the harder something is, the harder I will fight. The, the, the more difficult something is to overcome, the more I'll dig in my heels and, and, and push against it and exhaust myself and, and just play myself out in the process. And here's my statement when it comes to this battle within us victory is not found in trying harder. Victory is actually found in surrender. Victory is found in surrender. You think, but that flies in the face of everything. Like, no, no, it doesn't really. Because what I'm talking about is surrender to the spirit of God within us. We don't fight on our own. When we do, we lose. But when we press into God, when we yield to his spirit within us, when we deny the sinful nature and find life and fulfillment and transformation in him, victory is found in surrender. One of the hardest things, I don't know what it's like for you, but one of the hardest things for me is to yield control sometimes, especially in the midst of a battle. It's like, I'm not talking about giving up. 
Surrender is not the same as giving up. I'm not saying que sera, sera. I'm not saying, oh, that with it. No, because we don't say that in church. Some of you know what I was going to say. Naughty, naughty. We don't give up. We don't throw in the towel. We surrender. And we surrender to that which was placed within us by God at that point of salvation, the spirit of God that raised Christ from the dead. I know that's easy to say. But even as we've talked about it through here, it's from faith from beginning to end. There needs to be a sense of like, the faith comes in believing what God has said. God has, Paul says, he was speaking to the church in Rome. Christians that were some messed up, some that were Jewish, some they were all, they all mixed up bunch. And he says, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. When in Rome, live for him. When in Rome, walk in the spirit. When in Rome, yield, surrender to God, not to your desires and not to the culture. Don't live as the Romans do. He said, right? Come on. When in Rome, guys, when in Rome, recognize there is a battle within. We resist our sinful nature and receive the Spirit's power to overcome. Maybe you're here this morning and you get it when I say, when in Rome, live for Christ. You get that. But the battle's real. The battle's real. We, we, we're in the battle. Don't, don't feel that if you're in a battle and you're getting sucker punched sometimes that, that somehow that, that you're somehow less of a Christian than somebody sitting next to you. You don't understand. We're all facing that. It's just some are more honest about it than others. Their battle is real, but victory is found in surrender. One of the, I'll say, precious, precious indications that we have that we're a believer, that we're a Christian, that we're a follower, is that there's a fight. Hey, if, there, if you're not living for Christ, the devil's got nothing to, fight, nothing to worry. He's like, woohoo, perfect. I'll just keep, I'll go somewhere else. This is taken care of. But the moment you switch sides, all you have to do is say, God, I recognize today my need of you. I recognize I'm lost, I'm broken, I'm without you. God, I need you. Come help me. What a wretched man I am. Help me to, who will save me from myself? The answer is still Jesus. For it's the power of God under salvation. The gospel puts you in the fight. I mean, I'm a little bit scrappy sometimes. I like the fight. Scratches on my arm fighting with a tree today, yesterday. It won't. No, I won. I had a chainsaw. We're in a fight. You're in a fight. If you're getting knocked down, if you if you're if you're struggling with some things, if you're losing some some fights, congratulations. Congratulations. It proves you're on the right team. There's people here this close to giving up. You're among good company. We're all in a battle and we're in it together. When you get sucker punched, you get knocked down, reach out, say, hey, I can't do this. The response is you're absolutely right. But we can do this together. You can yield to the spirit. God is for you, not against you.
the spirit of God within you that raised Christ from the dead can raise you from your pit. The chains are broken. The victory is his. Can we stand together? Sorry, I'm a mess. something within me that I think is a bit of the, the, the heart of God in some ways when it comes to to recognize the battles that go on within us that where we're defeating ourselves because we think somehow that because we're in a battle we, we disqualify ourselves we're going to respond in worship but can I encourage you this morning this series isn't over. Debbie's got a, a couple messages to continue, and I, and I know they're going to be helpful. These pieces all go together. And it's like, I've asked you to do something, but I haven't told you how. But in this moment, can I just encourage you to take a first step, which would be a sense of surrendering to God, to, to saying, okay, God, I've tried. I, I want to keep trying, but God, I surrender to your spirit. I resist my sinful nature, God, and, and, and I pray that your spirit would guide me, and I want that, and I, and I lean into that. So, so that's what I'm asking you to do today, just to, that sense of, God, I surrender to you. I want to walk in your grace. I want to walk in faith. I'm believing that as I surrender to you, you, you will help me. And that when I fall, you won't abandon me, but in my death, you will bring a resurrection. So if you're here this morning, just, you, if, yeah, if you are here this morning, which is all of us, it starts in surrender. And then it continues in surrender. And daily, it continues in surrender. So this morning, as we worship together, do it from a place of surrender. God, I surrender. I surrender. I give it up. I, 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 not giving up. I give it up. I give up control. I surrender to you. And if you're in a place where, you know, you're actually in pretty good stead there. You're surrendered. Pray for the person next to you. Pray for the person ahead of you. Pray for the person behind you. Be praying. It's like, God, help them to see. Lord, help them. Strengthen them. That we can lift each other up knowing that God is doing it as well. So, God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in me, lives, lives in these fine people before me. God, as we trust in you, as we receive you as Savior, the battle is the Lord's. So God, for those that are fighting this morning and losing, God, may, may, may they know the victory of surrendering to you. Those that are fighting this morning that are winning, God, may they still trust and surrender to you. God, those that have, have gotten through some stuff, that, Lord, we can help those that are still in the midst of the battle. So, God, be glorified in our midst, I pray in Jesus' name as we worship you. Amen.